a series of uh, simple mindfulness. And the last talk will be about point seven, obviously, but also we'll be tying up some uh, of loose ends. I'd like to start by uh, reading a poem by Chongkapa. The human body, at peace with itself, is more precious than the rarest gem. Cherish your body, it's yours this time only. The human form is one with difficulty, it's easy to lose. All worldly things are brief, like lightning in the sky. This life you must know as the tiny splash of a raindrop, a thing of beauty that disappears even as it comes into being. Therefore set your goal, make use of every day and night to achieve it. So I'd just like to just suggest to have a few minutes of touching in yourselves, just touching in, just first experiencing the body. attention if you can into the area of the heart and just ask yourself what is my deepest longing what is the deepest value in this life for me It might take a bit of time for it to become a bit clearer, but any, anything you sense, anything that comes up is worth observing. The deepest value. I thought that might be worth doing. And I wouldn't be surprised in a lot of you doing this exercise today. You might find something in that area of the heart that's with the deepest longing that is somehow connected to our topic of today, which is bodhicitta. It's training in bodhicitta, the mind and the heart longing for freedom. And it could also be the mind and the heart longing for, for connection and longing for deep meaning and connection with others, living a life that is lived somehow through connections with others. And um, 
on some sort of journey towards more insight into how our minds work, how other people's minds work, and to respond to what comes up in yourself and the world with the deepest compassion that we could possibly develop. So the seven point mind training is a, is a, is a journey, is a, is a training um, into bodhicitta, the path, the path of the bodhisattva. So um, we started with point one, and um, I've got next to me here uh, uh, slogans that I have created myself uh, some years ago before I was going to do uh, a week of teaching on this uh, topic, and I just done a course in calligraphy, so I thought. Let's just, you know, do these, these slogans in calligraphy. So I've got them here and uh, we've gone through most, a lot of them in the course of these past uh, months, two months. Um, so I'll just start by uh, giving a short summary again um, of what we've been doing. And um, the first point was about training in the preliminaries. And the preliminaries, the foundational practices, were all those practices that we've already been doing uh, training our mind in mindfulness, um, mindfulness of breathing, kindness, uh, metabolism, ethical practices, uh, devotional practices, all sorts. And it is also about um, reminding ourselves, um, the four reminders, uh, why it would be a good idea to spend our time focusing on the practice. And in the poem that I've uh, just read out, the four reminders are in this poem. It's the um, the human body is precious, and it's uh, it's one with difficulty. It's easy to lose. So those reminders about the preciousness of his existence and what we're doing with it that is also part of our point one. So this point one is a deceptively simple. It's just one sentence, but it's 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 referring to a huge amount of, of practice. And I also think it's important to consider that in the preliminary practices. The foundational practices, we also assume to reach some sort of um, uh, psychological integration or maturity that I'm hoping that we can take for granted um, that uh, self-love is also part of our foundational uh, foundational practices. So we've, we're supposing a degree of, um, of, of self-love um, to because I've often noticed people talk about the Bodhisattva ideal as some, like you need to sacrifice yourself or you need to become a martyr, but it is not about that at all. So the self-love is totally, uh, totally uh, part of what you've been practicing already. And so I just wanted, to, I thought it would be good to, uh, to make that clear at this stage. So point one was about all these foundational practices to remind us the motivation for the practice. And then with point two, this was all about the instructions into uh, the, the bodhicitta, uh, the meditation instructions. So we had two sets there. We had one set of practices that had to do with meditation instructions to look at the nature of mind, to look at the insubstantiality of thoughts, and to also see how uh, our idea is that there is this um, um, thinker or observer is also just another thought. So to really look at that. And um, that was the first set or in, within point two. And the other, other set was about practicing um, compassion. So 
the instructions about the nature of mind is absolute bodhicitta, and the instructions around compassion we call in the relative bodhicitta, and we're just using the ordinary um, mind processes to practice this. So, and we're doing tonglen uh, doing that. So tonglen is you working with the breath to open up to suffering and to pain. And on the out-breath, we're sharing and wishing uh, all that is good and helpful. So that was the Tonglen practice. Well, we spent quite a few weeks on all of this. But, uh, so this is summary. All these instructions, yeah? just a few seconds. There we go. And in point three, we were looking at um, how to bring adversities onto the path. So again... Everything that happens to you in the course of, the life, of life can be used for the practice, for practicing more compassion, practicing more wisdom, and um, seeing obstacles as um, an opportunity rather than as an obstacle to practice. When something difficult comes up, rather than needing to wait before it goes away, before you can be serious and practice again, you actually see that and use that to develop compassion, to breathe it in and breathe out what you think is helpful, and to also notice that the stories that we create around that are just stories, the thoughts we're creating on the basis of these difficulties are just thoughts, and this fixed uh, person that identifies with these difficulties is also just another thought. So that was point three. So then the next week we moved on to um, point four, and point four was about the, the forces uh, the, the powers or the energy we're putting into the practice. So there's all sorts of ways that we can work with practices. And uh, so the forces uh, were, for instance, the force, of, um, the force of aspiration. It was the force of familiarization. Well, we had five of them. You need to go back to the material to find out what they are. Yeah. So that was the forces. And then on uh, point five, which was about evaluation of mind practices, we looked at, we have these four criteria that we used to look at, has the practice that I've been doing so far, has it actually resulted in me being uh, more uh, trained? In, uh, am I more compassionate? Am I more uh, patient? Am I less angry frequently? And do I um, not put myself... Um, as the um, at the center of a situation, just considering the whole situation rather than just your own kind of part of it. So having a, a wider view on, on a situation. So those were a few of the criteria we looked at. And also, uh, um, if a difficulty occurs, am I going? Am I starting to practice automatically? Which is one of the uh, other measures of um, um, proficiency in my training. That was point five. And then last week we did point six, and point six is all about uh, vows, commitments, responsibilities, what precepts, what kind of promises have we made uh, in regards to practice particularly, but we also looked at the promises we made in the context of our lives, like our, the contracts that we have, uh, or work, um, family, all sorts of commitments, and also, uh, well, the commitment to particular values, uh, developing the value of, of compassion, developing a value that has to do with freedom, so our commitment to those. We were looking at that last week. So that means we've arrived at point seven now. Okay. 
So point seven actually does have twin 20 slogans altogether, so I'm not going to go over all of them. I'm just handpicking a few that I think are interesting, and then after that I'll have a bit of time left to, uh, to look at these other loose ends. So uh, point seven is, uh, you could say there are loose ends in themselves, because it's advice. It's advice on what practitioners of uh, doing this seven-point mind training over the centuries have found helpful. So there's a few of, uh, of those um, slogans that are all about uh, advice. And then the first one that I picked out, uh, I can't really find where it is in this whole pile, but um, all activities should be done with one intention. And uh, all activities should be done with one intention. And then, of course, uh, if you've been sitting here week after week, you know what the intention is by now. Just, just, just a guess, what would be the intention? Clarity. The intention would be to develop bodhicitta. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well done. <laughs> but anyway, so the... Um, and uh, the, the poem that we just read out, the um, set your goal, make use of every day and night, refers to this particular um, slogan as well. So everything that you can do, with, that you're doing in the course of your life, you could dedicate to developing wisdom and compassion. So you can do this whilst you're drinking, whilst you're eating, whilst you're doing the laundry, whilst you're washing up. If you want to use of, of every, if you want to use every opportunity, this is what you can do using the mind training. So making use of every day and night to develop this system and compassion. And I hope that doesn't sound like I mean I, I I'm aware that it can come across as something that is really bleak and sort of like a pressure, but kindness is at the centre of all of this. So we're not doing it in the spirit of oh we've got to do this, we've got to put pressure on myself, we've got to be vulnerable, suffer. But it's just, it's, we're just it's, it's this kind attitude that you put in the center of your, your being, that you're just trying to approach everything with kindness. So I'm also I'm reminded of, for instance, uh, some um, stories that you hear from the Zen tradition, particularly where practice is really important. So the people pay a lot of respect just whilst they're sort of cleaning the toilet, doing that with a lot of kindness and patience and respect. So it's that kind of being that kind of attitude to everything that you're doing. I find that quite inspiring. Even having that attitude of kindness and friendliness and, and clarity whilst you're chopping the vegetables or cleaning the vegetables or you know sitting on the juke, whatever you're doing. Yeah, so I'm finding that quite inspiring. But let's not dwell on this too much. And let me also press this recording ten minutes late, but never mind. Um, so the next um, slogan I wanted to draw out is um, two activities, one at the beginning and one at the end. And again, this is all this is all referring to bodhicitta again. It's actually recommending us to, when you wake up in the morning, just to remind yourself of this, that this is your intention and this is what you want to do. And you could put those values that we thought about uh, earlier on, um, uh, just when we started uh, uh, this talk by, you know, we closed our eyes, we tuned in with our values. A value that you hold really dear, that is really important to you, just to remember that on waking up and living your life from that value. 
And then at the end of the day, uh, looking at your day and thinking, how did I do with this value? How did I put this into the world? And if you see uh, anything that you've done that is not in accordance with that value, you could just really look at that and, and analyze it and see why, why did this happen? Can I maybe not do that again when the same situation occurs? So that is the uh, advice here. Um, two activities, one at the beginning and one at the end. And in our uh, poem just now, we had, therefore set your goal, make use every day and night to achieve it. So you're setting the goal um, in the morning and you're looking back at, at night to see how you've been doing. And I um, remember uh, Velasani uh, when she, uh, she talked uh, to um, us on the Sangha night a few nights ago, she talked about how every morning she now um, recites particular verses connected to uh, the Bodhisattva Vajra uh, Buddha, Vajrasattva. I was thinking about that, so just re for her that represents a, uh, what she wants to put in the middle of her life, the value that she wants to put at the centre of her life. So reminding yourself that of that in the morning is kind of... It kind of patterns the day out in a different way. Maybe just try it out. You see if it works. Just try it out one morning and see if you remember. It will be interesting to, uh, to practice this. So, um, I'll just move on. There's a few more here. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be a bit shorter with those. Um, this is the one that actually drew me into the mind training. Uh, this was a slogan. Um, that um, I saw in a, a magazine article, the Shambhala Sun, and the heading of it said something about always meditate, whatever provokes resentment. That's really interested me, and that drew me in. And then I started reading the article. I didn't know anything about this training, mind training, and it really drew me in. So just lose, um, no, just use uh, love and compassion to um, when resentment comes in. And resentment comes up. It's such a such a poison. I find if you feel that resentment uh, in your in your being, and the texts, the traditional texts actually uh, mention that it's particularly um, important to look at any resentment we may have towards the sick and the elderly, our teachers and our parents. It's quite interesting. It's got to do with weightiness of karma and stuff. But it's I found that. Um, I think it's useful to remember that. So if resentment comes up in relation to, to those figures, it might be more, even more important to work with this and to look at this and to, to breathe it in with kindness and to breathe, it, breathe out anything that is helpful for that resentment. Maybe you need a bit of space or maybe, maybe you need more freedom. So breathing that out. So always meditate on whatever provokes resentment. And then the next one is, um, don't be swayed by external circumstances. Don't be swayed by external circumstances. These are a few that I've handpicked because I, I thought they were relevant and interesting. And um, I think it is often quite challenging when difficult people, or difficult um, situations occur in our lives. That is actually when you stop practicing, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, life sort of seems to just sweep you away. And then the first thing that goes, I noticed that in my own life, the first thing that goes is like a regular meditation. And, uh, and then maybe ethics can go out of the window. So it's, 
it's uh, it's just encouraging us to to remember the practice, remember, um, yeah. So the remembering is most difficult, I think, because you can find yourself in a difficult situation, maybe even days later, and just think, oh, completely forgot <laughs> that uh, the possibility of practice, uh, just completely forgot about it. So us training in practicing will actually make the likelihood of remembering much, much, much more, um, uh, I can't find the word, likely. Likelihood, likely, not a very beautiful sentence, but hey, I hope that's clear. So, um, another one that I'll throw into the pot here is um, liberate yourself by examining and analyzing. Liberate yourself by examining and analyzing. It's whenever something occurs uh, that you feel quite uh, uncomfortable by, or you've done something that you feel this is not good, um, I'm really, I wish I hadn't done this, or you say something that you're not proud of, just analyzing and examining that, what happened there, and with kindness, with friendliness, but just, just look at it, look at all these sort of, all these areas in your life where um, difficulties may occur, be interested in examining it, so that's what we are encouraged to do. And now there's a few that, um, some of these slogans are really pithy and um, they're working a bit as mindfulness um, uh, reminders, as it were. So I notice that because I know this slogan, it sometimes comes up. Like for instance, um, don't wallow in self-pity. I quite like that one. Mm. Don't wallow in self-pity. The thing is, if you know this slogan and you've read it and you, you're aware of it, when you are wallowing in self-pity, the slogan may come up in your being and then you get, oh, don't wallow in self-pity. Actually, what I'm doing, I'm wallowing in self-pity. Can I just stop doing this? And you can just see, okay, I can be kind in the situation. I can, I can look more deeply at what's going on, what's going on in the mind, uh, rather than continuing in that wallowing, which isn't very productive and doesn't really lead to anything good. So don't wallow in, uh, in self-pity. And there's uh, two more uh, of the same kind of nature. <coughs> Don't be jealous, which is a very simple, very simple uh, piece of advice. <laughs> but then, if you, if you, you know, if you're more familiar with this slogan, the chances are that okay, you're jealous. The slogan comes up. Don't be jealous, and then you know you're you're more aware of what's actually happening. You can start practicing in that situation. Now with the last one, um, it's, it's interesting that that is actually number uh, 50, uh, 59. And the last one um, is uh, don't expect an applause. I think we had something similar last week, don't expect an applause. So, so don't hang on to any hope that others uh, will thank you. Or um, don't hang on to hope of acknowledgement. Or um, don't expect a reward when, for instance, you know, somebody is asking you, could you help me with this? Don't expect a reward. It is to, to kind of purify that sort of self-interest. So it's a real sign of um, that you have been invested, self-invested in something 
if that uh, disappointment does come up and you're expecting his applause after you've done something. So it's a really good one to to just be a bit more humble and to uh, and just, just know that, okay, I do need to keep practicing and uh, so don't expect an applause. So that was the, uh, the last one um, of those slogans. So... Uh, I've got a few more minutes, and I thought I'd just use them with tying up a few loose ends. And uh, uh, one thing I wanted to say is, um, well, maybe a few tips on, on how to use this. I think that even if you um, if you are a bit more familiar with these slogans, uh, you could, for instance, uh, just choose one uh, and then practice with that. Um, don't be jealous, you know, don't be jealous. Maybe you just use that for a week or so and just see if that works. So you could just use particular points to, to practice with. Um, do, if you can, do uh, uh, read a bit more if you're interested. I've got a few books here that I thought might be um, worth um, bringing to your attention. Uh, one book I uh, that is like a key text, The Great Path of Awakening. I'll leave them here for you to see. The Great Path of Awakening by John Concontro. That is, uh, well, it says a classical guide to, to seven-point mind training, and this is a, a basic text that a lot of these commentators uh, have been using, so that's, that's this text. And then I really love The um, Enlightened Courage by Dilgo Kienze. So that's the book, Enlightened Courage. And Dilgo Kienze is one of uh, Sam Rashida's teachers, so he does have a, a strong connection to, uh, to the Triratna uh, Buddhist uh, tradition. I know a lot of order members who feel quite strongly about him, having feeling quite a strong connection with this particular Tibetan teacher, Dilgo Kienze. So that's Enlightened Courage. And then um, there's this book by uh, Shamar Rinpoche, The Path to Awakening, which is another more modern commentary. A lot of these commentaries are a bit um, old-fashioned and a bit too Tibetan. And I think that um, the most uh, modern ones that I've found in, been finding most helpful is actually by Zigar Komtro, The Intelligent Heart. This is one of the commentaries that I've been finding most uh, helpful. Um, and he apparently is a... Um, uh, a reincarnation of, of him, so that would be <laughs> Yeah. And um, uh, Chagyan Trumpa has also uh, written a commentary which I've got on my Kindle, so I can't show you, so then hopefully you can look that up. And then there is Pema Chodron, and um, I particularly uh, like this little book, Always Maintain a Joyful Mind by Pema Chodron. And it has a CD at the back with some Tonglen um, practice, some guided practice. But she has um, one page for each of the instructions, uh, two pages actually. So one with the slogan and a very short commentary on the other side. So this is a book that you might, if you want to go more deeply into this, you might maybe just use it like that. Just look at the slogan, read the commentary and maybe do one every day or every week or something of that nature. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to say that uh, for me personally, I've been finding it uh, a bit daunting to have to do one of these talks every day and to do the recording and work with the recording, etc. But at the same time, it's been a huge boost for me to do this every, every week. And uh, I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity because every time 
I'm doing a round of these teachings, I feel I'm more deeply immersed into them and understand them more deeply and they're informing my, my practice more deeply. And of this current series, I particularly felt inspired by uh, the material we did last week uh, about vows and commitments. I've had some very interesting reflections on it. I've been working with it um, in a sense of... Um, maybe you remember that I uh, quoted this... Uh, uh, somebody promised me a recipe or something, or uh, just to, to send me an email, and I was still kind of waiting for it. But that works the other way around as well. If I'm promising something, it keeps sort of prying on my mind. It keeps sort of having a bit of... Uh, mind space and uh, I've been finding it really interesting to sometimes explore if a bit of guilt came up. Has that to do with uh, a promise I perhaps have made? And I often notice that yes, sometimes I have made a promise and then it's fairly easy because you just do what you, what you promised in order to have a clearer conscience as it were. And sometimes I found, okay, no, I haven't promised anything here and I can be clear, I could just let it go. And that was interesting too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I got a lot out of that personally. This time it was mainly that point that I got a lot out of. But I got a lot out of all of the uh, points. And um, well, one thing that uh, particularly um, uh, struck me this time is uh, when I uh, was ordained in the Triatna Buddhist Order, I took on uh, a practice which is connected to. Uh, the female Buddha, Pranayaparamita, the Buddha of Wisdom. And um, somehow doing this series that made me feel much more connected uh, to this figure. And um, just also the uh, notion of um, how important it is to have a, a value in your heart, as it were, and to, to, to honor that and to go back to that and how how that informs your life, how you can live your life just because your heart is, there is that value or there's that particular connection in your heart and you can actually live your life you know, from that value. And I found that really beautiful. Uh, yeah. So thank you for that, uh, everyone. And uh, yeah, so it's been a real inspiration. If you are uh, a Mitra in the Triatna Sangha and you also happen to be a woman, um, I'm doing a, a retreat on this topic uh, in November at, uh, at Taraloka. So, yeah, you could, I know some of you here are going to be there. That's all really nice. And um, I think that's about all I have to say about this uh, topic so far. So, I think what I'll do is finish with reading the poem again. Okay? The human body, at peace with itself, is more precious than the rarest gem. Cherish your body, it's yours this time only. The human form is one with difficulty, it's easy to lose. All worldly things are brief, like lightning in the sky. This life you must know as the tiny splash of a raindrop. A thing of beauty that disappears, even as it comes into being. Therefore set your goal, make use of every day and night to achieve it. <laughs>